welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have an awesome guest sitting on our couch today. Came up in, was the weather kind of wet when you came up here? Yeah, a little bit windy, a little bit wet, a yeah. little bit rainy. In a car? You want to bike? You bike a lot, though. At least that's what... <laughs> I do. I bike and I run. But today I was in my pickup truck. Oh, yeah. nice, nice. Bike and run. You're a healthy dude, eh? I try. Yeah? You would, know, would at, you, at my age, I try. What did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> I had bacon and eggs. <laughs> nice. Homemade or McDonald's yeah. bought? No, gosh, no, no. Definitely not from the drive-thru. No? Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. Nothing's wrong with it. I enjoy it. I like a bit I of protein. I, I, uh, I was training yesterday, so I'm, I've got a uh, triathlon coming up in a, in a week. Right on. So I'm uh, pretty heavy on the protein and a little bit of carb loading starting now too. So. What's the weakest part of your triathlon? Ah, wow. <laughs> in theory, it shouldn't be the bike, but it probably actually is. Oh, yeah? I um, have been cycling long distances for... Uh, 40 years. But mm. if I look at my statistics for triathlons, yep. bike is always where I am the least competitive. Ah, I see. And oddly enough, uh, running, which is my newest sport that I only took up a few years ago, yeah. is my uh, is my best time competing against other people in my age bracket. Nice. Yeah. So. Nice. Have you ever had your VO2 max tested? I have not. Oh. Yeah. Is that something you'd be interested in? <laughs> well, we could talk about that, sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, testing like that always makes me nervous because uh, if I discover that it's either very high or very low, then what is that? <laughs> Does it screw with my mind when I'm. It definitely will, yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. So I don't know. Sometimes I prefer a little bit of mystery. <laughs> ah, mystery's good. Mystery's yeah. good. Let's take the mystery out of who you are. We have uh, Ian Cam, RMT from Ontario in Toronto, sitting on our couch. Why don't you uh, tell the masses a little bit about yourself? Tell them a little bit of background, how long you've been in RMT for, what you do, what your practice is like, all the all the stuff that you do, because you've got your hands in a whole bunch of things. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, I appreciate Well, first of all, appreciate the opportunity to, to come and chat. This is great. Right I appreciate on. that. And uh, despite my funny accent, which actually happens to work really well on a podcast, right? Because anyone <laughs> listening knows which is your voice, which is my voice. Right? Yeah. So this is not an affectation. It's for... actually easy to figure out because I, I always sound like like the dumb one. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you. I think you got. You got a few good things going on here, Mark. Uh, no, you know, I. I was. As, uh, anyone who's met me before knows I was born in Australia, but I've lived in Canada over half my life. Mm. I've been here 29 years, and uh, in the mid to late 90s, I decided to remake myself and you know, go back to school, a new career, and what have you. What were you doing so before? I, I, I was doing a lot of middle management, a lot of uh, uh, office work, a lot of. Uh, in publishing, in sales and marketing. Mm. So I became a massage therapist. I went to Sutherland Chan, a little school in downtown Toronto. Yeah. And just a graduated, little school, eh? Just a little, <laughs> just a little school. Graduated from Sutherland Chan in 97. So I'm 22 years in at this point to oh, yeah. massage. Uh, and uh, I have a practice in downtown Toronto right now on Carlton Street, 20 years on Parliament Street. And we moved... Uh, uh, two years ago, a year and a half ago. So I'm on, Parla on Carl Carlton Street, um, private practice, solo private practice, just me, myself, and I, loving it. Uh, this little setup is um, any RMTs that come in, pop in to see me, are always jealous of my setup. I like to brag about that. What's, um, what's, uh, what's, what's just to be jealous of? just one little room and me and very yeah. cheap rent. And, uh, is it lonely, though? No. No, no, no. I've got some great colleagues in the rooms beside me gotcha. doing different disciplines. So it's a, it's right a really good setup, a really nice uh, interdisciplinary setup. So 
So anyway, there's that. Uh, I also teach part-time at Sutherland Chan. Cool. Um, have been doing for the bulk of the 22 years as well. I teach a, uh, a couple of different things, primarily business skills, mm-hmm. but also regulations and ethics. And then uh, in the past, I've taught things like uh, orthopedic assessment and anatomy and palpation and other things like that. So third thing I have, third, you know, thing going on in terms of massage is teaching my own courses nice. um, like you do in continuing education I teach primarily what I teach at Sutherland Chan but I teach it in a con ed version mm-hmm. um, so a lot of business skills a lot of uh, uh, some technique stuff um, and now I'm branching into and probably what we're going to talk about today branching into stuff uh, relating more to the strive competency yeah so let's talk about that because uh i'll give a background as to how we decided to find you on facebook and invite you to come sit on our couch one of our listeners nikki went to the talk that you did at sutherland chan about about the uh, new quality assurance program in ontario strive and she sent me a message saying you gotta have you on your podcast (laughs) can i can i email you some stuff and i was like uh, okay, but why can't you just send it to me in the same message that you sent to me, <laughs> having it on your podcast? So nonetheless, well, she's very process oriented, <laughs> Nikki, and I, I appreciate that in her. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got an email probably about two minutes later, and then uh, yeah, then I think I probably contact you the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you what you think of the new quality assurance program and what's going on there. Well, that's a pretty that's a pretty broad one. Um, <laughs> so let's break that into chunks. Sure. Um, I guess a good starting point would be to to remind people and your your podcast goes out pretty broadly so it goes out very broad yeah. very broadly yeah so what we're talking about is very specifically related to ontario canada and to rmts specifically to rmts and specifically ontario the starting point is to to remember that we have a legal obligation to have continuing education mm-hmm. and Every regulated health profession in Ontario has that legal obligation. It comes from the Regulated Health Professions Act. So you're also a kinesiologist, Mark. Is yes, right? I am. So you also have so you've got you know double-barreled duties here because yep. you've got continuing education obligations from For both. the kin yep. end as well. Uh, while both professions and all the regulated professions have con, con ed obligations, uh, it's up to each individual profession to choose how they want to. Uh, roll that out. Mm -hmm. Massage therapy has decided, and specifically the the College of Massage Therapists in Ontario, has decided to revamp that. And they've done so this year. They um, threw us all for a loop in, uh, what's this, 2017, I guess, they when they cancelled the existing program that most people referred to as the CEU program, the Continuing Education Unit program. And they didn't replace it with anything initially. Now, in an ideal world, you would expect that they would have the new one ready to roll and there'd be a smooth transmission. (laughs) Transition, we didn't get anywhere close to a smooth transition. We got this very clunky gear-shifting, driving standard for the first time kind of transition. So let's let's give some background to that. For anyone that's not in Ontario, our Quality Assurance Program, as a member of the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario, used to be a self-assessment tool that had to be done within your three-year cycle, as well as 30 continuing education credits or 30 continuing education units that had to be completed within the three-year cycle. Of those units, the college had broken down these into two categories, category A and category B. And the majority of your continuing education needed to come from category A. So 20 of these 30 credits needs to come from category A. The remaining 10 can come from either category A or B. And what Ian has uh, suggested is out of the blue, or at least that's what it felt like for a lot of massage therapists, the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario.
Ontario sent out an email saying effective, it was like two weeks later, they sent this out in mid-June. And I remember this very clearly because I had a small fucking heart attack because a big part of what I do here yeah, is... Yeah, last chunk of your income. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, and then about two weeks... So they, they sent this out mid-June and saying effective July 1st, the continuing education cycle is no longer. The whole three-year thing doesn't exist anymore. We will have something to follow. <laughs> Stay tuned. So, yeah... Um, <sighs> There's a, so there's a couple of things to pick up on from that. One, one is, uh, at the risk of bragging, if you really wanted to read the tea leaves leading up to that in, in mid-2017, it was clear that they were, they'd been angling to this for quite a while. This was not... Um, so although they made the announcement out of the blue, mm-hmm. they, they had been signaling for quite a while that changes were coming. Right. The problem was we didn't know what the changes were, and you can't plan. And so, in a lot of like, RITs, to be honest with you, they don't pay attention to this kind of stuff. There's so many exactly. people that still contact me now to exactly. this day asking, yeah. how many credits is your course yeah, exactly. worth? Right? Yeah. Uh, RMTs also were very good at understanding their obligations for CEUs, yep. but weren't necessarily tying that to the overarching program name, which is quality assurance. And so the college kept talking, this is a personal bugbear of mine, yep. the college kept talking and talking and talking about changes to quality assurance, changes to quality assurance. They never once mentioned changes to CEUs mm. or cancellation of CEUs. Right. So here's, here's, a, here's a first fundamental problem I have with this process is that yet again, we've had an example of how the college doesn't know how to communicate to RMTs. Did the college say anything wrong? No. The college was 100% accurate in its wording. Did the college speak the language that RMTs speak? No. No. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's. But uh, enough of negativity. On a more positive note, change is good. And so, if we are going to have a change in uh, uh, the quality assurance program, and by which I mean the, the continuing education program specifically, then great opportunity, perhaps for something new, something different, or a different way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And one of the underlying uh, principles behind this was that the old program was very much based on how many hours you spent say in a classroom or in the front of a textbook or in front of the internet or, you know, and looking at um, education that was very much related to what we do as massage therapists, very hands-on, very practical skilled oriented. The new program gets away from counting hours. For once, I'll side with the CMTO on this where they said, um, you know, people can sleep through classes and, and still, you know, count the hours. Yep. Counting hours makes no difference. What, what really matters is educational learning or knowledge or, or uh, you know, coming up with something new. <laughs> Problem is, how do you quantify that? So right. we, you know, most continuing education over the years, over the, you know, in broad uh, brush, has dealt with um, something quantifiable. So at the end of the day, you can say, yes, this was done. You can tick a box and say, yes, this was done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first thing is we're getting rid of counting hours. We're no longer going to be doing these 30 units, as you said, and uh, or 60 hours, and we have that, we've, we're losing that quantifiability of that. But but the uh, bigger change probably is that we're moving away from, or we have now moved away from hands-on skills directly related to what we do as RMTs. Mm-hmm. And instead, we're moving to these, or we've moved to this 15 competencies based on uh, the idea of lifelong learning as a uh, professional mm-hmm. and our development in our career as, as professionals. 
So it's a major shift away from, say, a hands-on techniques course where you learn to do a particular technique, whatever the latest flavor of the month is. I mean, it didn't have to be that, but that's the way most RMTs went about it. Good point. Yes. Yeah. Um, It didn't have to be, uh, but it was easily easy to wrap your head around. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the first challenges we're going to find as this new program rolls out is that people aren't sure what it is they they can do that will will satisfy the, the program. Yep. So if you, when you look at the list of 15 competencies, they've got very generic titles. And the first question that pops into most people's heads is, well, I don't know what I can do as an activity that satisfies a goal that matches one of these these competencies. It, it doesn't have to... I mean, I, th- I think if we spend a little bit of time looking at them, you can then pretty quickly come up with things. But most of the RMTs I've spoken to so far are full of questions saying, okay, well, yeah, I've got this competency in mind. I think I can come up with a goal to match it. And I think I can come up with an activity to match it. Problem is, I don't know whether the CMTO will be satisfied with right. it. And at the moment, the CMTO, get this, at the moment, the CMTO is saying, oh, um, cooperation is compliance. So long as you're doing something, yep. we'll consider that to be yep. good enough. Well, you and I have both been around this block long enough to know that the CMTR is a way of changing its mind on <laughs> these kinds of things. So this whole cooperation is compliance thing that we're starting out with, I suspect is not going to last very long. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take it back to what you and I both do for a living. You do it more than I do, we're teaching workshops and yep. teaching courses to massage therapists. This has a massive impact on us. Mm-hmm. I also know for other course providers, like it. So it, how do you retool what you're presenting <laughs> in order? To, you know, do, or do you do you retool uh, to try and match drive, which is what I'm doing, or do you? Um, Stay with uh, the idea of let's just provide education to RMTs. Whether they can claim it as continuing education doesn't really matter. I want to provide uh, an RMT with new knowledge and new skills that they can use to make their career better. And I'd say let's do a bit of both. Yeah, well, you definitely have to do both. I mean, when it comes down to like technique courses, you know, at the end of the day, you want to learn cupping, you got to go somewhere, right? Right. You want to learn to do axial mobilizations because you you don't do them very well, you got to go somewhere. Um, But we have been playing with our marketing message for some of the other courses that used to be actually quite popular. So for example, we have a record keeping course for for, um, manual therapists. Used to be hugely popular until the CMTO came out with that email. (laughs) We had a course that was called uh, Professional Practice and Ethics, which was was pretty popular. And again, it went to zip as soon as that email came out. So we're just repackaging, remarketing the message on that. Meet your Strive components with uh, these two courses. Meet a series of your Strive, Strive components with these two courses. Yep. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still doing what we do. And, you know, yeah. 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 What do you think of the, the move away from, because we just spoke about that's what they've done. What do you think about the move away from the 30 credits? So, uh, well, because you can sleep through a class, like you said, but I can yeah. also bullshit my way through uh, a really shitty goal and some <laughs> some learning plans. Right, right exactly. You, you still. Um... Do you think that was a good idea moving away from that? There was definitely too much emphasis for RMTs on checking the box of I've got my hours. Okay. I, I, I definitely did not support the I don't care what I'm doing. Is this on the test or is this mm-hmm. does this check? Does this meet my minimum requirement? Yeah. It, 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 that 
no educator is is excited to have a student say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, is this good enough? Can I have my piece of paper? Okay, I got to go. Yeah. Right. Um, what what we look for is, uh, you know, ideally an, a, an opportunity where I always say to anyone in my workshops, I don't care if you, you, you I don't want to turn you into a mini me. I don't care how you interpret my material. Mm-hmm. But what I'd like is at least once in this pr- presentation, I say something that gets you to say, oh, mm. ask a question, raise it. Maybe maybe it reinforces something you already felt. Maybe it changes how you feel. So counting hours um, really didn't necessarily uh, achieve that goal. That being said, I had very few people that were sitting in my classrooms um, just counting out. Hours, like, yeah. So I think this fear of the old program was feeding the wrong beast was a bit overblown. I think there was occasionally a bit of that, but not very, very much. Right. And it was easy to understand. It was easy to quantify. And that's my biggest complaint with the this transition away is it hasn't been very well communicated and i think we're going to spend at least a couple of years trying to get our heads around well certainly until the end of the first cycle because we've gone from three-year cycles down to two-year cycles so we'll know sooner but until at least one or two cycles have gone through we really won't know whether whether we're improving quality assurance for rmts Mm -hmm. end of the day what we need is rmts to be the best possible rmts that they can be Will this new program achieve that? Uh, that remains to be seen. I don't particularly think the format, the way it is currently, is necessarily going to make RMTs better RMTs. So what do you think of the uh, 15 competencies that they have laid out? Right. I've spoke about this before. There's a, there's a gentleman that he's a former RMT out in Stony Creek, Hamilton area. He's not an active RMT anymore, but he's still in the business. He runs online software company for for scheduling and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he speaks very openly about this. And we had a, we had a talk way back when about the changes that were coming before they were actually out. Because I went to the focus groups mm-hmm. when they were having the focus groups for, for the quality assurance changes, quality assurance program changes in February of whatever year that was. Yep. And the stuff that I was most shocked on was everything that was in the focus group that was a work in progress is what was produced. Like no change to it at all. Nothing. The focus groups you're suggesting maybe that the focus groups were simply lip service? That of course. Was... You got to, you know, you, yeah. you, you run an organization and you got to check off the box that says we surveyed our members and we held focus groups. Yeah. Did you learn anything from those focus groups? Absolutely not. I learned that I better figure out how to market my continuing education <laughs> company a little bit differently. So what do you think of the uh, the 15 points? I called them Mickey Mouse in the last podcast that I did. <laughs> well, one of the things I want to quickly point out is that um, hands-on workshops, skills-based workshops, can still be used. Oh, for sure. Because one of the competencies is about uh, maintaining currency in, in, in the practice, right? So there's still an opportunity to do a hands-on workshop and to count that as a Strive-related yep. um, learning activity. Um, but there's clearly a large uh, shift away from it and towards um, personal prof- and professional development. Some of the competencies make me roll my eyes. Which um, one? Do, you, do you know offhand which well, ones? The, you know, one of the uh, work-life balance, personal wellness ones, yeah. it's like that strikes me as just, you know, current buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we started off this conversation where you very kindly asked me about you know the activities that that I've been training for a, a triathlon and and you know like I I I am a huge advocate for personal work life balance mm-hmm. um, both myself personally with my clients I don't think it's got 
any business of the CMTO or any regulatory body of what I do in my personal time. Exactly. I, f- I find that personally intrusive mm-hmm. and offensive. I've also met some incredibly successful unfit massage therapists. For sure. <laughs> you know, For just sure. like, let's, let's keep the personal and the professional separate. And even if we're talking work-life balance, yeah. like, you know how first-year, first-term RMTs have to do an interview with uh, yeah. with a... Yeah. With a current RMT, I had someone yeah. in here from a uh, community college, and one of her questions was about work-life balance. Yeah. And I pretty much told her, "Listen, you want to have a thriving practice ten years from now? There is no work-life balance at the beginning. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna eat shit you for hustle. a while, and you're gonna yeah, hustle, hustle and grind, yeah, and you're gonna yeah. come up with your strategic plans, yeah. and you're gonna work your way through them like a mofo. Yeah. And work-life balance doesn't exist if you want to have that ten years down the road. Yeah. If you wanna if you wanna foo foo twenty hours a week and work part time, and then that'll be your life as an RMT, then great, good." For for you and then there's your work-life balance but if you want something huge at the end of the day there's no work-life balance at least at the beginning i think what i would i, I think i'd change that ever so slightly from my perspective and i'd say your opportunities for work-life balance are smaller in the beginning and are going to be greater in the end <laughs> uh, so just to prevent anyone from having burnout i'd encourage them to be pursuing work-life balance right from the beginning but with the understanding as you rightly point out yeah. that hustle and grind in the beginning is not going to give as much opportunity as they're going to have for that later. Mm-hmm. My point as well though is what the heck has that got to do with the CMTO? That's Absolutely got, nothing. You know, it's in my that's a that's a intrusion into my personal that's that's one. There's, then the, the I guess my second point would be that some of these are so broad and so wide and so generic and sometimes seem to enco- encompass this ridiculously broad um, range of ideas and concepts that um, a lot of RMTs are going to flounder in, in any uh, meaningful way of trying trying to find any meaningful way a way to to make turn that into a, a learning activity mm-hmm. and even if they do and they hit upon something do we know if the CMTA will consider that to be an adequate learning activity maybe this is an opportunity if we talk about the components of strive yeah. because the, I think this is this is germane so as you probably know, um, the first component is a learning module where we sit and we watch a, a little video that's been created uh, by the CMTO. And this happens once a year. And this replaces what used to be... Touchpoint? Uh, well, yeah, not doesn't replace Touchpoint. The mandatory The articles, mandatory yeah. articles, the mandatory CEU articles, where you had to read an article and you had to quiz yourself on uh, a series of questions, five questions or so. And uh, in a peer assessment, you might be asked a question about those mm-hmm. uh, uh, those questions or about the, those uh, mandatory articles. And if you're not asked for them, you, you're prompted to produce your answers. To show that assessment. you've done yeah. them, yeah. So it's uh, um, uh, been replaced by, in the new version, with watch a video and answer 15 questions. Or in the current first year, anyway, it's 15 questions. It might go up, it might go down. Um, and you have to get 100% correct mm-hmm. on those 15 questions but you're given multiple opportunities you in fact unlimited endless unlimited opportunities i'm not going to lie i didn't watch the video i i went straight <laughs> i went straight i went straight to the quiz took How'd me you do? It took me about three tries three tries three okay. tries yeah. that's yeah. pretty good for not watching the video well that's probably because you have been following the profession long enough and uh, yeah. closely enough that you could uh, muscle your way through it so that, that's a credit to you uh, uh, and, and in the future year with a different topic that you perhaps don't have any personal background or knowledge mm-hmm. on you'll need to watch 
watch the video. But you know, you know what? I, I actually I imagine them doing most of those e-learning modules being very related to legislation, college policy, college position, that type of thing. Well, certainly that's what we would hope for. Yeah. If, if we look back at the mandatory articles, they weren't necessarily yeah, terribly focused on. See, I'm basing really <laughs> I'm basing it on what we do in the College of Kinesiologists of Ontario. Okay. Yeah. So we we also have an annual self assessment tool. Yeah. Um, which is much different than the 15 Mickey Mouse points. I call them Mickey Mouse all the time. And what, there's one reason why I call them Mickey Mouse, especially when you bring up that personal and professional work-life balance. Yeah. When you substitute that in for foundational knowledge, that's when I've, I've walked away. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. why is there nothing in here about foundational knowledge? Because yeah. we have a ton of RMTs that come yeah. in and take an anatomy review course, yeah. an assessments review course. Why? Because they just don't have that working knowledge anymore. Yeah. So yeah. why are you not being yeah. you know, forced to self-evaluate on yeah. something? I think like we're that. in agreement on that point. So, okay, we've got the e-learning module. It'll be a new topic every year. It remains to be seen whether they, they grab a real a topic that's really important and germane. For example, um, the CMTO we know uh, has become obsessed with this sensitive treatment of sensitive areas. <laughs> what I would have thought then obvious category to have a, a mandatory e-learning module about would be something like that. So maybe yeah. that's what we'll see next year. Maybe it'll be something different. Mm-hmm. The moment they start to go off down some rabbit hole about something obscure, we'll know that it's failed, but until that, until that time, we will hold judgment. These 15 questions um, with the um, you know mandatory must pass them, have unlimited goes at them. That's also kind of amusing for me because they've randomized the question. So if you get a question wrong, it comes back at you, but it's now in a different order. Mm-hmm. The answers are in a different order. Well, the left hand wasn't talking to the right because you probably noticed that one of the questions had all of the above is one of the answers. And when they randomize it, that can come out as A, B, C, D, or E. Anyway, so it's a little (laughs) confusing when answer A is all of the above. I think they need an IT person. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so, okay, we've got this e-learning module and by and large, I mean, it has the potential to be a very good opportunity. I like the non-judgmental aspect of you could do it multiple times Mm -hmm. and until you get it right. And I like the fact that they've randomized it, in fact, because then you can't just, well, if I answered A last time, I'll answer B this time. No, no, you actually do have to read it. So all of this is good. Uh, Perhaps they need to think a little bit more uh, closely about how their questions are worded. Um, they, you know, they don't have much of a strength. Um, education is not their strong suit, and, and examinations are not their strong suit. Mm. Ask anyone that's ever done the MCQ or the, uh, <laughs> or the OSCE. Right, anyway. But, you know, that's fine because their mandate is to protect the public. It's not uh, to educate. Right, so that's module number one. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah, you want to say something, don't you? No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> module number two is the self-assessment tool. So we've always had that, as you mentioned in the intro. Uh, now we've got it on um, online as opposed to on paper. So the previous version, once every three years, was on paper, and uh, obviously we, you know, in 2019, it was time to bring that into an online format, and this actually provided an opportunity for the CMTO to say, hey, if we're bringing this online, if we're going to have to retool this so much, why don't we re- rethink it right from the start? Right. And this is where the 15 competencies that you refer to with a Disney uh, uh, moniker <laughs> are... You can say it, Mickey uh, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, uh, this is where they're, they're, they're front and center, and this is where we notice this massive gear shift mm-hmm. from... Uh, uh, continuing education based on core competencies, uh, based uh, based on uh, hands-on skills and based on you know uh, uh, the, the practical of what we do, the nuts and bolts of what we do, as opposed to professional development. Okay, I I am not. Um, I, I think for me the the 
the I haven't passed judgment yet on whether I I like or don't like. There are aspects you haven't, or you just don't want to see. Well, there are, no, I I haven't yet because I I want I want to see one extra component kick in first of all before I know how I feel about them. I've seen some online discussions where some RMTs said I don't know what to do with these competencies, and mm-hmm. a few other RMTs have weighed in saying this is what I'm doing, and so the original poster comes back. Person who put the original comes back and says, Oh, oh, I get it now, right? You know, so through a little bit of crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. someone has has come up with something that they can do that feels like it's appropriate. Likewise, uh, someone who's been in practice, say um, five years or fifty years, you know, is going to have a different set of goals about what they need to to do. In it. So that broadness in those competencies gives a lot of scope for RMTs of different skills and abilities and backgrounds and and experience to find different things that work for them. Okay, so so far so good. But here's the problem, the third part of the, the program, which is the the learning plan where we are required to create learning goals, two learning goals, and then uh, a minimum of two learning activities per learning goal, mm-hmm. learning goal as part of this whole plan. Uh, the learning uh, module, the e-module, e- and the self-assessment tool are just between you and yourself. Right, so the CMTO does not review them, does not read them. So anything, any, whether it takes you one try or a thousand tries to do the e-learning module, is none of the CMTO's business. Yep. They don't look at what you chose as your answer or how you got there. Self-assessment tool, they don't look at, and they've put this in, on a separate website. It's not very clear, but this is what they have done. They were originally going to put it behind a firewall. There was pushback to that. People said they wouldn't believe that it was really, you know. You know. So it's on a separate website, apparently. And uh, so, again, the CMTO doesn't look at that. But we get to the third point and the learning plan. And now the CMTO does have the right to review that at any time during the, your, the cycle. Yep. All right. So what we suddenly now have is the CMTO is admitting that they will look at our learning plans, they'll look at our goals, and they'll look at our activities. Go back to what I said earlier. They're saying at the moment compliance is... is yeah. Cooperation is compliance. But if they're going to be reviewing our learning plans and our learning goals and our learning activities, how do we know if what we're doing is going to satisfy them? Mm-hmm. Or will we have, uh, as we had in the past with CEUs, will we have some of these rejected mm-hmm. as being insufficient and rejected after the fact, not before? Do you remember a few years back when the CMTO started rejecting uh, conferring with peers? Yes. And so uh, some RMTs on their third or fourth cycle through the CEU program were doing what they'd done every year, which was to uh, submit a certain number of CEUs under the category of conferring with peers. And suddenly the CMTO, without any uh, warning, without any uh, flagging it in any way, suddenly started rejecting them. I think a lot, it, maybe I'm wrong here because I'm wrong about a lot of things. Nah. Maybe, I, I, I feel like um, a lot of the times they were rejected with the conferring with peers was because of all the stuff that you had to put in. You had to put in the topic of discussion. You had to put in the location of your meeting with your peers. You had to put in the names of the colleagues that you were you were dealing with. Yeah, but they also well. capped it arbitrarily. Yes, they 
get five per cycle, and right. they didn't tell anyone that. So I could understand rejecting Sneaky it if they just. <laughs> I can understand rejecting it if, uh, as you say, you know, you didn't have anything to back it up that'll actually exactly, happen. Yep. I also had a big problem with RMTs who used getting a massage as time <laughs> conferring with peers, because uh, that to me was not. I mean, maybe you did have a conversation, but if you c- and if you can document it, yep. then I don't care whether it was on a massage table or in a coffee shop, you know, or over the phone or you know by chatting online. Um, but sitting on my couch, or sitting <laughs> on your couch. But it's, but if you couldn't document what you actually learned, then the the fact that you actually spend an hour in the company of RMT is not good enough. No, fine. No, no, they weren't. They weren't always just. They, they were. They actually decided to cap it at five per cycle. The problem is they didn't tell anyone that, and they they rejected CEUs on this basis after filing, mm-hmm. not before. <laughs> so how are you supposed to then suddenly come up with more CEUs now that the 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 deadline has passed? Mm-hmm. So. This is the past behavior of the CMTO. Let's hope it's not the future behavior of the CMTO. But I am... How hopeful are you? I'm not. <laughs> I, honestly, Mark, I am not. So the advice I am giving uh, RMTs is to say, have more in your learning plan than you need. Have um, more activities from a, a variety of sources and have uh, extra things in your back pocket that you don't necessarily... Uh, use in the original plan uh, so that if the CMTO does do what I suspect they're going to do, which is start rejecting things, Mm -hmm. you've got something else that's different to add into the mix and say, but I also did this. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah. That's just based on um, spending far too much time (laughs) observing what the CMTO does over the years. I'm getting the feeling you're not a big fan. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of regulated health. I'm a massive fan of the concept of the CMTO. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of the administration that we currently have in place. Mm. That's no secret. (laughs) (laughs) No one listening to this for the first time who's met me before will be surprised to hear that. A vocal dude. Amanda just walked in. This guy's, this guy's not a fan of uh, what happens at the... Co- I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I shouldn't say it like that. Well, I'm not a fan of some of the ways they've done some of their decisions. I am right, absolutely... So, you know, let's do this. I am absolutely a fan of the idea of regulation of healthcare, and I want us as massage therapists to continue to be regulated as health professionals. I just don't necessarily like some of the arbitrary rule decision-making processes that we're, we're, we're subjected to. Okay, let's do this then. Give me the, uh, the three biggest things that you're not a fan of. <laughs> or if there's more, we can go more. Let's start from the bottom, though, I want to hit that peak. <laughs> I want to build up to it. Oh, and so we're talking about just the CMTO in general, or are we talking about, we're not talking about Strive or anymore, or are we talking about that as we well? Can, we can throw that all in the mix, but since I just start, walked in. I thought this was a Strive podcast. Yeah, but, <laughs> but since, since we started well, talking my CMTO. Little, my, my rant that we I was just on was that um, uh, the, the CMTO is saying that cooperation is compliance. In other words, it's good enough if RMTs simply participate in the Strive program. Right. But they're reserving the right to uh, evaluate what we're doing under the third portion of Strive. Which well, that is the, seems contradictory, doesn't it? It does. It's <laughs> a little bit, right? All right. Yeah. So w- what we don't know is what they will do with that um, evaluation of our learning plans. Mm-hmm. We are not being given any uh, indication about what... So let me me give you an example of how this I actually don't think they'll do anything, to be honest with you. I think they're just going to leave it as, you know, we can observe if you've set a deadline for your learning plans and if you've completed your learning plans. Yeah, I took that a little more vague to make sure that people weren't uh, being dishonest since this is all about the honor system, which it always has been, but sort of just warning us, like, don't put a bunch of nonsense in there and expect us to accept it. The whole thing is fucking nonsense. Well, what is is nonsense and who's who's nonsense? 
debate so, who's deciding let, what let, is nonsense. Let me, let me give you an example. Um, one of the competencies is around communication. Mm-hmm. And so um, some RMTs have said to me, uh, what about if I learn sign language or Spanish mm. to improve my, comp- my communication skills? Because I had a client once who came in who spoke Spanish or was deaf. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to learn some basic sign language to be able to communicate things like turnover or slide down the table or, you know, how's this pressure or something of that nature. Uh, Likewise, I I once had a client who spoke not a word of English, only spoke Spanish. And it was actually quite an eye-opener for me to realize just how much of ensuring a professional quality massage was was based on me being able to communicate in English with this with the client, and I couldn't that day. Right, and so I got a translator in. I mean, the 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 in fact it was the client's son who uh, brought his mother in for a massage. Ended up staying in the the room most of the time so that we could continue the communication. Did you still find it difficult? I had this situation, yeah, yeah. and I had uh, I think it was a cousin came yep. in to translate. Yeah, I still found the treatment very difficult, even with the translator. So it was very yeah. I th- I, I don't show. I wouldn't use the word difficult. It was very different. It was very educational, challenging, mm-hmm. challenging, maybe. challenging. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that was that was it. Was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, has never happened again in twenty two years of practice. So can I then turn around and say oh, I'm going to take a Spanish course for my com- continuing education right. for my strive component? I'm going to spend you know however many hours and dollars or whatever learning Spanish, and uh, will the CMTO then turn around and say Yeah, that's not kind of what we meant. You're stretching it there. However, is it stretching it? I don't think, no, no, no. I don't I'm saying this it. might be what they would say, but right. I, I agree with you. I mean, well, the, we don't know. The, the competency is communication. Yeah. If you're improving your communication. Well, I think that's the whole point. The whole point is for them to be just less prescriptive right across the board and therefore opening up for you to do these types of things and then get that credit That you for think it. makes yeah. sense for like your if practice. I, if I work within a Spanish-speaking community, then, then it makes sense. Right. And if they leave it in our control and let us make our own personal decisions as grown-ups. But you have the fear that they won't. And so maybe, and let's hope I'm wrong. Let's hope. I am yet again wrong, <laughs> and and uh, uh, that that in fact my fear is unfounded. And th- let me give you a second example. This came up in the Strive presentation that I gave at Sutherland Chan a few weeks ago. I've got another one coming up uh, tonight. In fact, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure when this podcast goes out, but we're talking about here October, November of 2019, right? Just to uh, date mark that. So uh, one of the questions came up in that personal work life balance thing we were talking about earlier. So one of my uh, former students at Sutherland Chan said, "Okay." Well, does that mean I can uh, take yoga classes now? I was going to ask you that same question because that was my exact thought with that competency is if I start doing yoga and meditation, does this count? The way it's written. I don't see why not. Right. I'm a triathlete. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, let's uh, let's start. uh, (laughs) So I, again, let's use use the word overstretching or overreaching Mm -hmm. whatever, you know. So I I don't think that's what the CMTO meant. No, not Mm -hmm. at all. Um. And uh, yet, uh, if there, if compliance is, uh, if cooperation is compliance, uh, and if we're trusted to do the right thing and do our own thing, but they're reviewing it at what point? So if they review it and say, okay, taking yoga classes, because under the old program, yoga classes was not. You could do yoga teacher training, and that was a category B, but you right. couldn't do yoga classes and call that a uh, a competency, right? So mm-hmm. let's uh, wait and see. But my f- my hope is that if they say no, that wasn't what we wanted. That they that they don't do so in such a way that is um, punitive. Right. Uh, that they don't. Uh, um, 
force you to suddenly scramble and come up with a new goal and and complete it within a new you know within the existing time frame or right. you know. and I don't think they will I, maybe I'm giving them too much credit but being that this is so new and there's obviously confusion hence you're doing these presentations you know, I think there will be a certain time given for a learning curve for RMTs to totally understand what they mean and what these competencies are and what activities are acceptable I hope that there will be a you know, grace there, there, period there needs to I want to live in your world Amanda what, there, there needs <laughs> my to, world is very happy there needs to be on stuff like that is like a maximum number of goals that could be associated with this competency that way if you're doing oh yoga classes or whatever the case is and you're putting that down for work-life balance well fine that might satisfy a goal or a learning plan or whatever they're called I don't remember is mm-hmm. that I don't know if that helps at all so maybe there needs to be a limit on this particular competency has a maximum of this many goals associated with it or whatever the case is I don't know I'm just trying to that's I'm just trying to, to work around to someone do, going though. into a yoga class and saying you know this is going to help me with my RMT career well maybe they need to be more specific on the competencies such as work-life balance because I would look at something as doing yoga multiple times a week as improving my work-life balance so essentially I'm doing what you're asking me but maybe giving some examples you know how we had category A and category B maybe there is a list of acceptable but then again they don't want that they want want to give us this freedom to do what we believe is going to improve our practice so if they want to give us the freedom they've got to actually give us the freedom and at the moment they're claiming they are Wait and see. Maybe they're just assuming most RMTs are reasonable, and you know, in my experience, that's not the case. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I think it is the case. However, if you give uh, someone an inch, they'll take a mile, right? You know. So the the person I'm I'm told this this is very very much uh, com- relating to a conversation I had. It was very much off the record, but I'm told that the the in the planning process that came up with this, the underlying theme was that RMTs would find their own way, that they really could trust us, the CMGO could trust us to find our own way mm-hmm. in doing what we needed to do for professional development. That's the idea. Yeah, that that's that's fabulous. I just don't think that that meshes with the mentality and the mindset and the culture that we have at the CMTO, which is very parental, mm. which is very um, what makes you prescriptive. Say, what makes you say this? The last 22 years of watching what the CMTO has done. All right. So I'm, I've only been a member of the college for the past 15. What have I, what have uh, I, what have I missed? Oh, Tell me what missed, I missed. No, you haven't missed. I don't think you've, I'm sure you, 15 years has been, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the legislation, the legislation creating the CMTO dates from 1991. Mm-hmm. The CMTO actually came into existence in 1994. So we're Talking 25, yep. 25 years since they really opened their doors. We didn't have continuing education in the first few years because mm-hmm. it took them a few years to get up and running with the actual program. Right. And we've watched it evolve. I mean, it, it, everything is always evolution and change and, and development and growth. Fine. To me, the, the biggest, and I alluded to this earlier, the biggest negative direction change I've seen in the CMTO in, in, in those 22 years has, or 25 years, has been this uh, obsession with sensitive areas and the treatment of sensitive areas. Mm. So this is not directly related. To strive. I don't know. Do you want to go down this rabbit hole? Of course, we can. I, I, I'm going to take which pill is it? The blue pill or the red pill? I have no idea. Stop looking at me. I don't watch those movies. Matrix, Morpheus, Neo. You're Neo of whatever. Okay, let's go down the. Let's. This is a, a rant that I've been having for um, quite a while now, uh, for a couple of years since the CMTO decided to go this route of having us get clients to give a signed written consent to uh, treatment of sensitive areas. The CMTO's whole purpose and raison d'etre is to protect the public. We know that. Mm-hmm. And and 
it's a laudable goal and it's uh it's the p- whole point of self-regulation uh of healthcare is protection of the public great does having our clients sign a consent for us to treat so-called sensitive areas which is a separate discussion too about what's sensitive on one person is not on mm-hmm. another and so forth. Mm-hmm. does that protect the public and my argument is that no it doesn't and it it creates a a thought process in the client's mind that they have signed away their right to complain, which is not what the process is intended to do, but which it accidentally uh, does. In addition, there is nothing, nothing in this signed consent for sensitive areas that uh, obliges us to tell a client that the CMTO exists, that a complaints and discipline mechanism exists. How about this as an idea for protecting the public, which is what we should be doing, what the CMTO should be forcing our hand towards. When a client wants work done to any part of their body, we say to them, great, let's create a tra- treatment plan. Let's let's work out what your needs are. Let's get your consent to that treatment plan. And if I do anything in this massage that you don't like, that you don't think matches that treatment plan, You've got a complaints mechanism at your disposal. That should actually probably be something that's just involved with every informed consent. That should be a post that's mm-hmm. in your clinic that yes. states if you feel that something has happened in your massage therapy treatment or your interaction with any regulated healthcare professional, this is the process to, to go through. Well, and having consent on the treatment plan, even like you said, having the client sign off on the treatment plan just makes a hell of a lot more sense because we're not creating this discomfort of just focusing on these sensitive areas. This is what we're going to do. This is the plan. You good with this? Okay. Well, okay. The, the reason, so we don't have signed consent, written consents to treatment plans generally in healthcare mm-hmm. anywhere. anywhere. There's no, there's no signature required. Right. Until until the CMTO came up with this, we we had no requirement for any signature to a treatment plan anywhere, right. anytime, anyhow. And, and there's a couple of reasons for it because it well, runs we have the, the risk of consent act. well it runs it runs the risk of cementing it into place and not mm. allowing for easy change. So you know, right. as we all know, in the middle of a treatment, a client can can t- suddenly reveal new information to us, which requires a change to the complete. And if, mm-hmm. if it was a signed thing, we can't pull out the piece of paper and change the signature. Of course, mid treatment, right? Our signatures up to this point used to be around the release of information to a third party. Consent for release of information needs to be signed or written, written at least anyway. Okay, fine. But consent is designed by its very nature to be fluid, to be changing, to be modifiable. Mm-hmm. When you sign something, you lock it in, you cement it in place. Right. It's revocable. So here's another thing that's interesting. This signed consent to, to treat sensitive areas can be revoked at any time verbally, yep. but there's again there's no there's no so there's no process to unsign that signed consent. Right. There's yeah. no separate form that says I revoke I that. changed my mind, just kidding. So the re- <laughs> revocation is verbal. Yeah. So where's the record of that? Meanwhile, so if this were to come to a court case, the RMT could trot out a stack of 20, 30, 50 signed consents to treat these mm-hmm. sensitive areas and nothing as evidence. The client can't produce a single thing as evidence that they've revoked that. How does that look? <laughs> um, I don't think it looks terribly good. No. What, what, what I, and you mentioned the word, I think, uh, poster. Uh, I, Mark, I... What I want is uh, 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 there's something on the wall of every treatment, mm-hmm. every treatment space. And if it's a mobile practice, then it's a 
a pamphlet that you hand the client. Mm-hmm. But if, if, we, if we think about a treatment space, on the wall is a poster that says, hey, did you know the CMTO exists? Do you know what the CMTO is? Do you know that there's a complaints and discipline mechanism? So if you don't like any massage you've ever had in the past, mm-hmm. if you don't like this massage, if you don't like any massage you've ever have in the future, you, the client, has a mechanism that you can take a complaint forward to a regulatory body. Now, some RMTs will react negatively to that because they'll say, oh my gosh, we're going to get these complaints, these vexatious and unnecessary complaints against it. I don't think so. I don't think we're going to get any increase in those. In fact, if we get an increase in complaints, then it will be the complaints that should have been coming forward that are now finally coming forward, and that's a good thing for the profession. Mm. Cleaning up um, some you know, uh, RMTs that shouldn't be in the profession or shouldn't be doing what they're doing. So... Um, the, what the CMTO has fundamentally missed in this consensus treatment of, of sensitive areas is any obligation to inform clients that the CMTO even exists. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you a question. I'm not a lawyer, and I don't know the law well enough for this, but can the college come up with a policy like that and just very blatantly say, our policy trumps the Healthcare Consent Act? This college policy trumps healthcare law in Ontario. Because that's what they've done. Can they can they actually do that? I, I, Does that stand up? Um, I honestly do not know the answer to your question. I would say that, um, I, 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 and I also am not a lawyer, I'm going to guess that if we were to look at all of the legislation, there would probably be enough leeway for the college to set its own policies. So it would probably be a very tough legal challenge to bring and win to say that they have gone against the spirit of the Healthcare Consent Act. I, I, I think it would be hard to win mm, interesting. on that one. Um, I, I think I'd prefer to put that energy and effort into getting the CMTO to better recognize what the needs of our clients are rather than trying to fight it on a technicality like that. Gotcha. I also am uh, personally offended by the idea that that there uh, is a definable list of sensitive areas. And I don't like the idea that by having to get my clients to sign off on pectoral work or gluteal work um, is... is, I, I think that goes against everything we've done for decades to try and desexualize what we do and we have instantly resexualized massage yep. by saying if i touch here you've got to sign there and i yeah, think this is a that's my biggest problem back. with that form is that we're bringing attention and making something awkward that doesn't have to be exactly it doesn't have to be it's your glutes, their muscles, your pecs, their muscles. And if it's indicated that we work on them, we've already discussed this. You've already given me consent. Why am I taking this extra step and pointing out these arbitrary areas and saying, are you are you 100% sure you're okay with this? Sign your life away. I could be a fly on the wall Please. for those council meetings because I <laughs> wonder how much of this conversation happened with regards to the creation of that policy. I'm curious. I know I'll never know the fucking answer, but I'm so curious. <laughs> well, let's break that down into a couple of points. I think it's pretty clear. Okay, so remember that um, council meets four times a year mm-hmm. on average. Everyone on council sits on committees, and those committees meet far more often. But a lot of of this sensitive areas um, issue didn't come out of council. It came out of the administration of the CMTO, the, the, the office workers. 
and from uh, from administration, from probably from the office of the registrar. The CMTO is hugely reactive. I get that, and it makes sense that. If they're seeing an increase in complaints relating to certain things, then they're going to try and create uh, a policy or a change in direction to address that that increase. There are two major areas of complaint involving RMTs. One is insurance fraud, and the second is inappropriate touch. Inappropriate touch being a very specific subset of the sexual abuse uh, uh, broader category of sexual abuse. So sexual abuse can be um, uh, intercourse, it can be inappropriate touch, and it can be inappropriate behavior and remarks. And if you look at the statistics, and I did uh, I did a presentation to, again to the Sutherland Chan uh, Alumni uh, Association uh, earlier this year in uh, February of 2019, and I, I um, wasted a irretrievable number of brain cells <laughs> going through every single complaint, well not complaint, sorry, discipline report uh, for the last 10 years. Oh, that and doesn't I, sound like a fun Yeah, well, it, yeah, yeah. Tedious. I don't have a life, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I charted, and I, I apologize, I don't have those statistics on me. I didn't realize we were going to be going there. Um, I can I can provide them. But I charted out, uh, and I'll give you the broad brush. Um, uh, I, I couldn't chart out complaints, which is the, you know, the, what comes in, but I was able to chart out the discipline Discipline results, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, there, there is an overwhelming uh, percentage of complaints, um, uh, and, and I would say a majority of complaints historically uh, against RMTs have been about insurance fraud. Mm -hmm. Where's the uh, special policy around that, by the way? Where's, <laughs> where's, the, where's the action out of the CMTO right. on how to address insurance fraud by RMTs? It's the CMTO is entirely reactive, not proactive when it comes to insurance fraud committed by RMTs. Guess who's leading the charge on that? And perhaps rightly so, insurance companies. Okay, separate topic, right? Then, the, then there's a category of the sexual abuse category, and it, these three subsections all get lumped into one. But, but if you look at what those actual sexual abuse uh, complaints, uh, discipline actions were, were relating to, there was overwhelming to, to inappropriate touch. When it was intercourse one of the other categories, it was overwhelmingly RMTs who were having sex with clients. Okay, that's a bad thing, terrible bad thing, but it was overwhelmingly spouses. Someone that they were in some sort of relationship with. So we've got this problem at the moment where RMTs are still a bit confused about uh, whether or not uh, a, an RMT can give his husband or wife or her husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend a massage, right? Okay, so let's, let's like sidebar that as a separate conversation. But there, so there was a small subset of RMTs having um, an RMT professional relationship with someone who they also had a spousal relationship with. Let's put those aside. And, let's, and the remaining category, and it is um, uh, perhaps at the moment seems to be a growing category, but the remaining category of inappropriate touches, the classic kind of uh, RMT's hand goes under the draping and grabs uh, something like uh, a breast. Obviously, this is completely wrong. We need to stamp this out. We can't have this in our profession. You'd be surprised how little it happens. Mm -hmm. Once is, is too much, uh, but statistically, if we look at the discipline reports, there was very little ending up in discipline that was actually that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's worth pointing out the elephant in the living room. It's 100% men. 
male yep. RMTs, yep. not mm-hmm. female RMTs that are doing this. Smallest right. population, biggest impact. <laughs> there we go. So what we have is a need, and absolutely we have a need to create something that addresses this problem. We have a problem in the profession where occasionally a male RMT touches a female, uh, well, it's usually a female, doesn't have to be female client inappropriately, and we need to do something about that. So the CMTO understandably creates this uh, um, process to try and, and address this because this is the complaints they're getting. And, th- and they've noticed what they appears to be uh, an increase now in complaints relating to this this activity. So they need to both reactive to the complaints and proactive to try and prevent them. Hence, we've got this uh, special consent right, to right. touch sensitive areas. But again, if somebody is signing, do you think that the male RMTs that are inappropriately touching clients are concerned about this form? I, it, it was wrong before, it's wrong now. Is it? Is this form going to well, stop them? I mean, them? like we said like, before, and, and I've said this before too, like once you sign that form, you actually have less legs to stand on, right? The client has less legs to stand on. Not to mention... There are, so there, we can break the the, the, uh, the male RMT who does this inappropriate touch, we can break down into two categories. We can break it down into the people who are always going to be abusive mm-hmm. and form is not going to stop them, right. which is your point, I think, Amanda. Yes. And then there's the unintentional where the RMT uh, perhaps um, is on some kind of slippery slope when it comes to their personal ethics. The form might, because it forces them to have the conversation with the client, the form might address that, mm-hmm. but I suspect it really won't because the form either won't get used or if the form does get signed, as I was talking about earlier, there's no way to revoke it. Right. Uh, the, 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 the way to revoke it is verbal and there's no way to rev- there's no written version of how to revoke it. So then the, the form, and this is to Mark's point, the form ends up being used as a defense by the RMT rather mm-hmm. than a protection for the, the client. I wonder how, st- I mean, none of us are lawyers, how strong a defense is. You know, if a woman is claiming that the RMT touched her inappropriately and the RMT saying, well, she signed saying I could, but what she's saying is far beyond what's on this form. The form is becomes this form- meaningless. Right. The form becomes meaningless and it potentially just gets thrown out. So what was the point in the process? Right. The so I'm, I'm finding little point in this form, period, which I guess is the point of this discussion. That's one thing you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think the very best of intentions led to this. The, 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 where I was going with this ramp is you said you wanted to be a fly on the, the wall of the council yes, meetings. Yes, right? yes, yes. I think what you would have found at the when the first time you were a fly on the wall at one of those council meetings was you would have found um, a whole series of rubber stamps being slammed down onto these. Mm. So, so, in other words, council didn't read that proposed draft for the the sensitive areas consent because and we know I, I think we can say we know this because council approved the draft in principle in April it was then put to the profession of April 2017 it was then put to the profession for comment and the the profession commented very loudly and certain key things would change the only thing that didn't get changed was the signed consent for sensitive areas so here's some of the things that got changed we went from having a draping policy where you had to keep sensitive areas covered or certain areas covered you know the so-called sexual areas covered, to the, the proposed new draping rules said the entire body had to be covered except for the body part being worked on. That means if you were working on a client's feet, their face would have to be covered. I feel like my clients are not going to be on board with that. (laughs) Right, right, right. But that was in the draft that was approved by council in April. 
I could go on with some other examples. That's true. That draft also had indications for why you would be treating those areas. And if, if you didn't have an indication that was on the list, then you were not meant to be treating those areas. Mm. So if we, if we know, we, given that we know that there were uh, obvious problems like this uh, the p- badly written draping policy that was approved by council, I think we can safely say the council didn't read it. <laughs> And and if council didn't read it, <laughs> if the council didn't read that and think about what that actually meant in practical terms for draping, covering the client's face, not being able... How many times have you had a client, who a female client, who chooses to bring their arms out over top of draping Almost to hold, all of them. to secure it so that their breasts don't get accidentally exposed, right? Yep. But you couldn't do that if you were treating their head or if you were treating exactly. their feet. Because, so, I mean, it was just simply a badly written change to draping, right? Okay. And they fixed it. They did fix it in the final version. But if they didn't read that, then they also, in my opinion, didn't read other sections. Right. So, so this is what we're, we're learning slowly. One, they need IT people. <laughs> and two, they need people to read shit. <laughs> well, what we need is counsel to actually do their job. Yes, agree. Remember, the, uh, I'm ranting and raving here, and I'm admitting I'm not a fan of the current administration. But remember that massage therapy is self-governed. There is uh, there are nine RMTs that sit on council that have a slight majority because there's a maximum of eight non-RMTs on council. So we have a slight majority. We have nine RMTs on council who should have read that document and should have said, wait a second, is this protecting the public? Is this signed consent for sensitive areas the best way to stop inappropriate touch by RMTs? And I would have hoped that those nine RMTs sitting around the table would have said, no, it ain't. Here's another statistic that shocked me when, it, when I did the research. Those, count, those, are, those nine RMTs sitting on council sit in uh, three-year terms, and they can do three three-year terms, up to nine years in total. Okay, you guys know this. Yeah, you don't need me to tell you this. The last seven council seats to become available and these seven have all become available since 2017 because it's every year another three. And there was one that uh, had to go early because the person stepped down. That's why it's not six, it's, it's seven. None of them went to an election. Mm. In other words, RMTs are so disengaged from what's going on at council, in the CMTO, in the profession, that we're not even running for council. So when a council election comes up, and it would be interesting to see what happens now because this week you might have gotten... District the, uh, 9. District 9, mm-hmm. right. So it's actually Districts 1, 6, and 9. Uh, and don't quote me on the exact, but District 9 we know because we, where we're, we're sitting here, we're in yeah. Scarborough. You know, district 9 is east of Young Street. And uh, District uh, 1 and 6, and I don't know which one's which, but one of them is Kenora um, and the areas in the north uh, around Kenora. And the other one is... <laughs> For all six RMTs up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they're roughly, there's roughly 2,000 per district. Yeah. I, I just... I just yeah. we just it's know. a very, very... We just know an RMT in Kenora. He's like, this is, he's like, there's I'm like six of, of us. Six <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's, but it's going to cover yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, other communities in, yeah, the, in, yeah. in that part of the province. And there's another district coming up, a council seat coming up based on is Grey, Bruce, Huron, Lambton, Middlesex, that kind of area. Uh, that swathes of you know uh, section west of uh, the GTA, but not as far west as say Windsor. That seat's also good. so. Let's see and let, uh, you know, let's wait and see if. Um, there'll be an election for any of these seats. Are RMTs sufficiently uh, engaged with what's going on in our self-governance? So it should be that we should have an election 
for each of these council seats. There should be RMTs vying for the opportunity to be on council to bring these changes that we're sitting around talking about. Mm-hmm. Are any of us three going to run for Council 9, for example? Council that was going to be my question to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> well, the answer is probably not because earlier this week I put in, uh, or last week I put in an uh, application to run for one of the RMTAO board of directors ah, seats. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. And that is... Uh, a direct conflict. I was going to say something. Doesn't get something. you two off the hook, though. Oh no, it doesn't. I'm too. Um, hey, I'm I too will... busy trying to figure out how to remarket my fucking education <laughs> courses to match Strive. I was going to say though, uh, to your point about RMTs not really being engaged, um, you know, not to put all you guys listening on blast right now, but majority of RMTs I speak to, um, for example, let's take Strive as the perfect example. Yeah. I was at a course a couple of weeks ago, and it was myself and eleven other therapists, and in that room, majority of the people in that room didn't even know what Strive was. And I was like, well, this is alarming yeah. because you guys got to get on this shit By fast. November 30th. Right. So they didn't even know what it was. And I was explaining it to this woman and telling her, you know, there's a video on the CMTO. It, it walks you through it. It's actually quite simple. But majority of RMTs that I speak to, it seems, admit that when the CMTO emails come in, it's a quick delete. delete. Yeah. So if nobody's reading the emails, then we almost don't have legs to stand on when council's not doing their job. Thank you, Amanda, for raising I One of the things I teach at Sullivan Chan, all of my students, I tell them it, the moment they get an email from the CMTO to read it, to keep reading it, and to not stop reading it until they understand what the heck it's about, and sometimes mm-hmm. that takes a while, uh, To uh, and to not delete automatically. I think as teachers, we all need to be, uh, and we as RMTs, we need to be telling our colleagues. That's why I love it when RMTs are involved in groups or in either physical meetup, you know, practical classroom settings or uh, social settings or on social media, be every RMT should somehow be connected to other RMTs so that when something like this comes up, there's a discussion mechanism and mm-hmm. process that, that, can be, that can roll out so that we really do uh, engage uh, with what's going on in the profession. Yeah. It's a very big problem, though, um, that we uh, as RMTs need to take responsibility for it ourselves, but it's not being helped by the way in which the CMTO communicates with us and the language that they speak when they talk. Right. So I can see a bit of uh, blame on both sides there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We we as RMTs need to take responsibility for our own self-governance. We need to be more involved. This is slightly off topic, but not really. I don't know if I just never paid attention to this or if it's new. You know how the CMTO emails have the unsubscribe option? I just noticed in one of the last emails I read that it says, if you are an active yeah. member, like do not do unsubscribe. Not unsubscribe yeah. And I was like, well, that makes sense because yeah. you shouldn't unsubscribe from these emails. You should be getting yeah, them. They, and they've been there for quite a while, but you're right. You don't notice the fine print unless for some reason. Yeah, I just read it yeah. the other, one of the last emails we got and I was like, well, they don't have, they unsubscribe. Have for anti-spam laws. I understand that, but I just thought, when I would see the unsubscribe option, I used to think like, who would be unsubscribing from this? Like, you you need to get the communication, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I bet they've had a problem. I bet they really have had a lot of people hitting the unsubscribe because they just mm-hmm. don't see the relevance of that, that communication to them. Yeah, but as I said, when I was at that course, I was pretty surprised that there were 
an overwhelming number of therapists who were like, yeah, Strive, what is that? Can you teach me? And I was like, no, but the website can. So public service announcement. Um, you know, uh, as we know, we've got to do our first round of obligations under Strive by November 30th. Don't wait until November 29th. Yeah, do I not. I think we can pretty much guarantee the CMTO's website will crash multiple times in the last 24 <laughs> hours because here's another thing. They need an IT guy. <laughs> well, no, actually, I don't, I don't think there's an IT guy on the pla- <laughs> IT person, man or woman, on the planet that could fix this problem. They have decided, for whatever reason, to take us off our three-year cycle that we used to be on mm-hmm. and put 14,000 RMTs all on one cycle. Yeah. Where's the smart, where's the smart thing? Oh, and I by thought the way, about that. <laughs> and by the way, they're doing it for the November 30th, which is, oh, I don't know, is that possibly the busiest time of year for RMTs in the province? Oh, yeah, it happens <laughs> to be as well. So if you're going to procrastinate on something because you're so busy with clinic, uh, with clients in clinic, mm-hmm. you, <laughs> this is not the time to do it. Just <laughs> so we, we don't need to talk about work-life balance. We need to talk about work-work balance. We need, to right. <laughs> we, <laughs> we need to talk about... So RMTs, if you're listening to this and you're on, in Ontario, please uh, get on your Strive Obligations sooner rather mm-hmm. than later because I think we can guarantee that 14,000 RMTs all trying to do it at the last minute will crash that yeah, website absolutely. multiple times. Do you remember in the bad old days, you guys old enough to remember when people used to be able to fax in their CMTO <laughs> renewals and the fax Sorry, machine... Sorry guys, I'm, I'm out. I'm not, I haven't been in the profession that long. I wasn't going to say I'm not that well, old. <laughs> the fax machine would inevitably crash and it was on New Year's Eve and there would be no oh one there to God. reset it of course yeah. until the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is not something you should procrastinate on. I mean, it didn't take me an overwhelming amount of time, but because it was the first time I did it, it 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 took longer than it probably should have. I was making sure that I did everything properly. You're going to have questions. You're going to go back. You're going to reread. You're going to phone a friend. You're going to whatever. You're going to need to do, and and understandably so. Um, I just think it would have been smarter to pick a deadline first of all in the 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 time of the year that is not the absolute busiest time Mm -hmm. of year for all RMTs. Second of all, it would have been smarter to. Stagger it so we'd have some mm-hmm. RMTs right. this month or next month, or some RMTs this year or next year, or go with your registration cycle, like whenever you became registered. Yeah, for sure. Or, or go or stick with the old three-year cycle yeah. that we were used to be on for CEUs, yeah. and and keep people in those cycles. Hey, here's another crunch point that's going to happen. Two years from now, we'll all be so. One year from now, we'll be submitting our interim update report. Yeah. Two years from now, we'll be submitting our final report. At the same time as we're also creating the new Strive goals and... Sometimes you want to be a fly on the wall, Mark. You know, sometimes I just, I just wonder, what, what do they actually map it out? Do they plan out like oh, this will happen on this date? What could possibly go wrong? This will happen on that date. What could possibly go wrong? To me, there's no sense of any you know, forward thinking going on here. Yeah. Maybe you should forget about the RMTAO. <laughs> Although I, I wanted to ask you, since you, you know, you're, it's public that you're going to be running for. Are you going to say what you're running for? Oh, so the RMTAO has three council seats coming up for election, and I've okay. put my name forward for one of them. So Perfect. I don't know when that election will be. Uh, I um, It's going to be either uh, at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. I'm not sure when the election actually happens. Do you think that you have the opportunity to affect more change by sitting on council with the RMTAO or the CMTO? So y- this is an excellent question, Amanda. And trust me, I have gone through this in my head um, quite a bit recently. I don't know the answer to your question for 
for sure. Uh, however, I, uh, I the reason I've chosen to uh, try out for the board of the RMTAO for two, two parts. I think I can do more in the short term um, to influence uh, the profession through the RMTAO than the CMTO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, a couple of years or a couple of terms, a term or two on the RMTAO's board might be a good springboard if mm-hmm. I later wanted to go on to council right. at some point in the future. Um, so I'm kind of looking at it, partly looking at it as a as maybe a first step or a, uh, of a two-step mm-hmm. plan. Uh, but I want to quickly say uh, I have no intention. I'm not certainly trying to signal that I am one day going to run for council. But it seemed but to it me it seemed to me to be a good, a better first step to to spend a bit more time. I've been I've been quite involved with the RMTAO for many years. Um, I've got a separate set of issues. <laughs> <laughs> which we don't have time for, and, and and those you probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't let those out yet. <laughs> <laughs> with the RMTAO, but that we can, yeah, we can save that for a separate. Yeah, we'll we'll save that for when you get your position with them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, and, and, then, and your but, term is done. Yeah, exactly. When the term is done, not during, probably. <laughs> well, I don't know the answer to my own question either, but the reason I asked it is because my view of it would would be exactly as you said, where I would feel that I would be able to do more um, sooner through the RMTAO because the RMTAO seems accessible to people. The CMTO does not seem accessible to people. And if you want to have an impact on the profession, you need to be accessible to the people that are working in the profession. And I could be wrong on that, but the CMTO seems like a mythical creature to me, almost like you can't really talk to somebody there or, I mean, talk to people and get straight answers and consistent answers and information it's a little difficult. Is it because they need an IT guy? I miss that whole thing. <laughs> I, don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, um, I, I think I think the uh, part of that is that there's the nature of the beast. They're very different organizations with de- different mandates. The CMTO is very much focused on protection of the public, which is their mandate and mm-hmm. as it should be, whereas the RMTAO is very much about uh, RMTs for RMTs. So I think the accessibility for us as RMTs is going to always be greater with the RMTAO. Absolutely. I don't think we're ever going to, or nor perhaps should we make the CMTO into this incredibly accessible for RMTs kind of. We, we've got to make sure that we've got to, we, there's, a, there's a balance that we need to maintain that while RMTs need to feel part of the CMTO, we can't be so much in... Um, charging and control that we're losing sight of that overriding principle of protecting the public. So they must stay a mythical creature. Well, it's all dead. <laughs> let's, let's go with less mythical and let's go with a uh, difficult, uh, a zoological creature that we're <laughs> observing from across a safe moat where they can't get at us and we can't get at them maybe. <laughs> Yeah, rather than crawling into the enclosure like we can with the RMTO. We don't hate the CMTO, I swear. I don't hate the concept of what the CMTO is. I just wish they were doing – I wish council was doing a better job uh, of of protecting the public. And I, I think they've, they've widely missed the mark of their principal mandate in this yeah. current uh, version. Why are you so passionate about this stuff, man? Like, why aren't you like, why, <laughs> seriously, like, why aren't you like, like some, <laughs> some other RMT down the street? It mm. doesn't give a fuck. I roll in, I do, I do my job. I get paid decent. I got great work-life balance. And you're here fucking going through 10 years of, of sexual abuse cases <laughs> <laughs> for presentations. Like, why do you care so much? Well, oh, I don't know the answer to that question. It's, uh, you ever think about it? Have you ever thought about it? It's hardwired into my DNA. I just want the profession to be the best it can. Mm. Um, I, I, 
love this job. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love. You can tell. Yeah, I love the fact that clients come in off the street, you know, a little bit bo- broken and and uh, busted up, and uh, we get to in the course of an hour, we get to help them feel a little bit better and maybe uh, head them in the right direction with some self care and and uh, create a, a solution or help them find a solution to some problem that is going on with their bodies. What a gift, you know! It's mm. uh, and they pay us, <laughs> and they pay and us, they pay us, right? Mm. Every uh, in an ideal, you know, in an ideal world, they feel better. Uh, we put food on the table um, as well. Uh, we get to uh, it creates opportunities for personal growth for our MTs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I learn so much from working with my clients. I learn so much about just how to create treatments for other people, but also about how my own body works. Um, I, I and this is a profession where people want to come and spend money and time with us. Mm-hmm. I've worked in some jobs where you were the bad guy turning up at the door. And in this case, we're the good guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you know, that was, my, that was my selling point in becoming a therapist. After I did my kinesiology degree, I was, I was lost for a little while. Okay. I went back to personal training for a yep. little short mm-hmm. period of time, wasn't happy there. And the biggest thing about becoming a massage therapist was people really like their massage therapists right. and it's such a it's such a low stress type of work day for me you know i get to see people that want to see me yes. as you said i get to help them yes. and i'm not trying to sell them to come back they're asking me okay tell me what to do tell me when i need to see you again and it's awesome um to your question though when what you asked ian you know why are you so involved why do you care so much it's like any anything in life in any profession, you need the people that are super involved, but it can't be everybody or too many cooks in the kitchen, but it can't be nobody or there goes the profession. There's always going to be the people that just do what they have to do, show up to work, treat their patients and go home. And then there's going to be the people that are like, how can I make this better? What's going on in the profession? How are we viewed? You know, I've said multiple times that I, I understand the people who are like so passionate about the way the public views us. I, I get it. I'm with them. But I'm also, I never know how to say this properly. I'm also kind of okay with the idea that there's so many different types of therapists and there's some that, you know, are more relaxation based and not treatment based. And then there's some that are treatment based because I think there's the space for everybody. And I think the general public, we don't give them enough credit. They'll find the person they need. They'll find the therapist they need. Absolutely, they do. They definitely do. I I say to my students that they'll they'll they'll, they'll get the client base they deserve. Right. That they'll get the client base that is best suited to them as therapists. The therap- that what they bring to the table will mm-hmm. attract, and you know the clients who, who respond well to that will come back, and the ones who don't won't. Um, and it, it it eventually works itself out, and they and they develop will develop the practice that's the best fit for them. And yeah, the, the, the yeah, I I 100% agree with you. Not every RMT needs to be engaged on every level right. um, only some do um, but we all need to be engaged on some level uh, or to some degree and we yes. saw and we did see that when the draft for signed consent for treatment of sensitive areas came out we saw unprecedented numbers of RMTs standing up and commenting and writing mm-hmm. and the CMTO took note they were overwhelmed and blown away and surprised by the amount of response. They changed certain things. They didn't change everything. I think we have the ability to influence. First of all, it's RMTs who have to sign off. That nine R- Those nine RMTs that have a majority on council are the ones that sign off. We don't need 
14,000 RMTs to sign off on every decision. We delegate those that that to those nine. We need them to have their eyes wide open. However, mm-hmm. though, I think they're sleepwalking through too much of this, uh, and uh, we we you know we 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 should be able to put our faith into those nine RMTs on council uh, to uh, to make good decisions for all of us. When yeah. when we don't agree, we we speak up, and we saw that, and they listened to certain things. I'd just like to see that. Uh, I, I mean, but but I can also ask the same guys, I, you guys, the same question. Uh, why do you do this podcast? What you know? Why are you staring at me? <laughs> well, it, it's not that I don't love it. I do love it, and I've learned so much, and I've met so many therapists and people that okay. I think I would never ever interact with. Yeah. Um, but the reason I was looking at you like that is because this is not just something you do on the side. I'm going back to the idea of being a Walmart reader. No, you you could never be the RMT that isn't involved in the profession in some way. I, that's never been you. That's you, You're never going to be that guy. You're never going to be the guy that just shows up to work. And when I see shit that I think can be done better, I feel like I got to say something. That's it. Well, and it. I think now what Ian just said about uh, the council members possibly sleepwalking because the the idea that the two of you just presented in just a podcast conversation of having a simple poster on the wall explaining that the CMTO exists and that there is a way to... Comp- that seems a lot simpler and I think would cause a lot less uproar. I think it would actually also produce a better outcome. I think it would increase the number of complaints, which initially, viscerally, some RMTs might say, we don't need more complaints. But actually, we do need more complaints because, trust me, there are inappropriate touch situations occurring in massages on a frequent enough basis that aren't getting reported, that we need those reported. Because that will improve the public trust in the profession. If we can weed out the people that shouldn't be in the profession, and we do that by having more complaints and getting those people uh, brought to the CMTO's attention and getting them either disciplined or remediated or turfed. Do you think there's public mistrust of the profession? No, I think we've got a huge amount of trust Mm. from the profession. I think the CMTO... Listen, I'll say something nice about the CMTO. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have created, and the CMTO has been instrumental in this, we have created this incredible profession in Ontario where there is huge public trust. Look, I travel as an RMT. I travel. Here's a little self-promotion. I've got workshops coming up in Las Vegas in January and in Puerto Vallarta. I, I get your emails. Yes, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And Puerto Vallarta, Mexico in March. And uh, some of that teaching is Strive-related, and you can get your competency. Uh, what do you call it? You can get your... Uh, uh, learning activities uh, in in my workshops in in sunny warm locations right okay w- when i travel as an rmt i try and get a massage wherever i go and i mm-hmm. get to talk to people who do massage uh, in other locations in other jurisdictions countries uh, provinces states what have you and i i recognize time and time again how awesome it is to be an rmt in ontario mm-hmm. and a large amount of that is the incredible work that a lot of people have done in the cmt on council and and that includes some of the current people includes a lot of the past people it includes the administrative administrative staff of the cmto who often have done amazingly good things uh, in working to create public trust in the profession we definitely have that we have a we are widely respected the use of massage therapy in ontario has never been greater and the size of the profession has never been bigger this is awesome all right um but should we just sit back and rest on that? No. We can make that even better 
I th- because because I mean, let me ask you guys: How often do you think your clients know that the CMTO exists? Mine don't. They, they probably figure that something exists. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. there has to be something that gives me this thing on the wall. But they don't know what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't know what that is. Yeah, I mean, we've got we've got our registration on the wall, so you're right. They know that they exist. Do they look but at that though. No, they don't. And so, and and if and if and to, to be fair, if we're asking uh, the CMTO to say create this thing, which is a poster on the wall saying the CMTO exists, we actually then have to bring the client to that poster and stand in front of the poster with them and point it out. And, and, and so if, if we were going to get our clients to sign anything, it would be that we had told the client to look at that poster and to read it. And the client says, yes, my massage therapist made me aware of this information made me aware that I had a complaints mechanism at my disposal if I wanted to. So so it's not enough just because I don't think anyone actually looks at the, uh, the stuff I have on my the wall. The stuff on the wall, yeah. <laughs> they look at the pretty pictures. They don't look at the documents. But, but okay, that, that being uh, said, our clients – figure out if they if they really want to make a complaint they'll they'll go to the internet and they'll start googling and they'll find out that there is some kind of regulatory body mm-hmm. they figure there must be something they just don't know what it is um, i think we can go slightly beyond this incredible position where we're in currently by because i i frequently talk to either clients or when i get a, a first-time client i ask them what they like or what they don't like about massage i ask them was there ever anything they had in a massage in the past that they didn't like I don't know the percentage, a percentage uh, of, uh, you know, a, a quarter of uh, my uh, first-time clients will say, yeah, I didn't like the pressure. Usually it's the pressure was too much, right? Uh, I didn't like it when he or she touched this or did that or mm-hmm. they didn't listen to what I had done. But every so often you can see, and they don't necessarily want to tell me, but you can see that there's something that they don't want to talk about right. that happened in that massage. So if we give people a way of of bringing forward knowledge about what happened in, in, a, in a previous massage, or even the fact that they can uh, make a complaint about something that hasn't even happened yet, I think that 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 improves what was already a good relationship and makes it even better. Mm-hmm. This guy's got some good things to say. Eh? I got too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad I missed the first hour. but You, hey, you know, can listen to kids, it on the podcast. I will. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to it. You can come to uh, Puerto Vallarta and we can continue this conversation. <laughs> oh, I would love to, yeah. but I don't think that any of the other RMTs would appreciate my five-year-old and two-year-old being there with me. Oh, they wouldn't be in the workshop. They'll be <laughs> you can put them in daycare at the hotel. <laughs> bring them. They'd, they'd, yeah, maybe don't bring them to Vegas, but uh, <laughs> bring them to Puerto Vallarta. Yeah. Right on. Is there anything else you want to wrap on? No, I think you guys are amazing. I really want to thank you again for this opportunity, for having this vehicle that allows RMTs. And I know you you frequently have a, a you know you you have a wide variety of people talking about a wide variety of things. Mm-hmm. It makes the profession better when we when we sit and talk with each other, and when other people get to listen in. That has to make the profession a better profession. I hope so. And I love talking, so well, this yeah, is great because I don't think my clients want to hear me. So it's good that other people do. <laughs> Yeah, and our clients probably shouldn't be hearing us because we should be concentrating on what their needs are, I guess. Absolutely. Well, thank you for making the trek all the way to the East End. Yeah, yeah, I brought my passport. Where do I get a stand? (laughs) Before we uh, rock and roll out here, do you want to give some information about your upcoming courses and locations and dates and contact info, all that kind of stuff? Las Vegas is Thursday, the 16th of January. Uh, It's a one-day, two uh, courses. One in the morning is about uh, 
strive competency number three, which is um, about uh, uh, make, making sure you're in compliance with your legal obligations. Mm. Uh, in the afternoon, I've got a presentation on competency number 14, I think it is off memory, which is about uh, working with other regulated health professionals. Then uh, I do that all again, exact same format, but in Toronto in a windowless room in the middle of winter. Gee, I don't know which one. Which one would you rather? <laughs> that one's on February 2nd. So would you rather Vegas in January or a windowless room in Toronto in February? You choose. Uh, and then uh, in <laughs> March uh, with my colleague Victoria Sambleson, uh, we've got uh, five days worth of uh, courses mainly, again, uh, focused around one or two of the Strive competencies. Uh, that's in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, uh, March 6th to 10th in uh, the old town part of uh, Puerto Vallarta, but you can stay anywhere and commute to the courses for the day or for the week. And we uh, would love to hear from anyone that wants to. Uh, so uh, if you are interested in that, it's donvalemassage.com. Or uh, I'm sure you guys will put up some information about uh, who I am. Yeah, absolutely. We will. Because I think if I didn't have children, I'd be off to Vegas. I don't think I'd survive wow. Vegas. Every, no, uh, you can't go. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm going for running. I'm going to be doing a half marathon in Valley of Fire the day after the workshops. So I'm, you know, Vegas is not just about gambling. In fact, I don't gamble. So um, it's there's also phenomenal theatrical shows and what have you and Cirque du Soleil and whatever. But there's also Vegas in January is cool and it's a great time to go out into the desert and to hike and to run and to to mountain climb or do whatever else you want to do out uh, because you won't end up fried on the side of a rock. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can go skiing. Mount Charleston usually has snow in January, so you can even go skiing. Amazing. Right on. Thanks for coming by. This has been good. Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace. <laughs>